Hello and welcome to the Logistics Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsty Adams, editor of SHD Logistics Magazine. These are strange times, aren't they? Like yourselves, I'm sure, here at SHD, we're having to adapt our working practices and processes. I'm actually speaking to you from my flat in South East London. Not sure if you can tell. I'm hoping my neighbours don't start drilling any moment. Working from home is not the only change that we've made, of course. Some of you may already be aware that we've actually gone digital only on the magazine for the months that we're in lockdown. We chose not to print it at the beginning of lockdown, realising that it would actually hit quite a few empty desks, but also because it would put additional pressure on the postal network. But you can find it and read it on shdlogistics.com, so please do. On the 27th of May, we held our first ever webinar with leading voices from the Cold Chain Federation, KPMG and from Walk Logistics. They joined us to share their insight on how their organisations, but also the sector, has responded to COVID-19. We also asked for key advice for you on what next steps to take. The webinar is still available for you to view. Just visit www.shdlogistics.com. You'll find it on the homepage. So we wanted to share with you the highlights from three of our speakers. Our first speaker was Shane Brennan. Shane is Chief Executive of the UK Cold Chain Federation, and he's been with them for just over two years. The organisation sits between government and the cold chain profession. Shane started his presentation by sharing the fact that our food supply chain has responded really, really well during the pandemic. In this clip, he talks about some great collaboration in the last mile and about dealing with reconfiguration of the demand pattern. Here's Shane. UK consumers before COVID-19 had a huge amount of choice and they were exercising that choice significantly. And we sort of saw the pattern play itself out with the sort of run, particularly first and foremost on the supermarkets with people trying to stock up and that sort of outage on, on, on shelf. So shortly after that, we saw this closing down completely of the dining and food service sector, which had its own challenges in terms of how supply chains were operating in that window of time. Then that pull through of a significant concern around delivery and that sort of probably the biggest sort of single challenge we had in this whole time has been how do we ramp up last mile delivery in that last window of time. As we got past that phase and got into the next last bit of the sort of readjustment we had to go through was realizing we were neglecting a bit those local shops and those specialists that actually were increasingly important to the consumer so having to work incredibly quickly to think differently to reforecast and be creative about getting the right supplies and the right resources into the right places within that last mile we saw some really great collaboration at that time i mean people like breaks and bid food anyone who knows the uk supply chain know that those two companies are absolutely Hammer and Tom competitors came together to deliver the cross-supply chain collaboration that we saw in trying to solve that last mile problem. I think that's where we really saw that coming to the fore. I think the rest of the supply chain was more or less working as it needed to in that time and sort of adjusting within its own businesses. But that last mile was where we saw that collaboration. Going on then to talk about where we settled down to. I think people will think about COVID-19 as the panic buy phase, but that's actually the the very beginning. What we've actually been dealing with for the last two months-ish is a complete reconfiguration of the demand pattern. 
with some parts of the market being incredibly busy or operating at normal sort of levels and others being completely shut down. And that sort of reconfiguration of the, of the network has been the most problematic thing. And to be honest, I think when you talk to the leaders in this industry, that's been a harder challenge than the challenge of dealing with peak demand. Getting stuff out the door is kind of what we're here for. Dealing with underuse and trying to replan and reconfigure on the fly with no real understanding of forecasting has been the significant challenge. But to summarise sort of broadly the sort of warehousing elements of that, what we're really seeing is effectively more coming into the supply chain than there is into the warehousing and, and sort of holding points than going out, that sort of imbalance between inflow and outflow. And I think we, one of the things we've learned from a reflection on this is that we have a system that's calibrated to keep stuff moving through. Interruption, slowdown is not what we're built for. And that is a real challenge, and it's created a real problem within the chain. So what we've really been trying to work with now, what we really sort of, as the weeks go by, we're muddling through, it's probably the best way of describing it, but there is this kind of erosion of profitability and of cash flow and of problems in the businesses that isn't really being addressed in this kind of holding pattern we're in now. So it's all about what comes next. What is the next phase? We have seen some other examples of collaboration in the wider supply chain. So we've seen things like direct to wholesalers who used to be delivering into the restaurant market, moving to direct to consumer models pretty much overnight and doing that. And that's been incredibly effective. That might be something that stays with us as we go into the next phase, as they learn from doing that. Some will, some might will stay with it. Others have seen some things like one of the things I'm very proud of, that we managed to tie up one of our members' company shop with an indoor ski slope to do with some emergency storage. So some creativity going on there. And also issues around particularly redistribution of food. Some of those issues around food waste with the lack of distribution into the restaurant market, creating that need for new solutions and new purposes for food, which we've seen some of our members stepping up and delivering. So where are we right now? We're in this kind of waiting game. I think that's the way of summarising it. We've got the sort of grocery side operating a bit like a metronome. It's been described to me. Things are ticking over. Things are simpler than they were. Things are actually working relatively well from a kind of straightforward supply chain operation point of view. And then we've got a food service market in stasis. And that is absolutely devastatingly bad for the operations in those businesses. And that carry on for much longer and businesses be able to stay operational. And depending on how exposed you are to those different chains is how you're experiencing COVID-19, I would say. But the overall impact is a negative one and one that's going to take a long time to come out of it. But we don't really know until the lockdown actually kicks in starting from Overall, I think what we've actually shown is the UK supply chain, the UK food supply chain, is incredibly resilient. It's incredibly responsive. It's full of people that have got on and done it and actually delivered against completely unprecedented times. And I guess the job from now is how do we support them through what's going to be the more difficult phase, which is the recovery and the economic return to some form of normality, which we all want to see as soon as possible. That's a really great comment from Shane about how well the sector has responded to the pandemic and how they've just got on and done it. Now, let's jump to our next clip from Collaborating Over Unprecedented Peaks to Charlie Walker from Walker Logistics. As an operator, Charlie's in a very different position to Shane, who delivered our last speech. Walker Logistics is a family-owned business. Their COVID-19 story has been one of collaboration and complex fulfilment. The team experienced a 400% increase in online orders in April. They said that in April, every day was like Black Friday. Like many operators, they've really focused on using technology, not only inside the warehouse, but right down through the supply chain to offer a smooth service. Over to Charlie. 
You'll all be aware that technology is obviously a hugely important part of the logistics sector, none more so than now during these times. So, you know, like most logistics companies, I'm sure, we've got an annual budget and continuous improvement plan where we work with our WMS provider to enhance our technology, get all the latest updates and make sure we're at the forefront of offering that technology to our customers. But we just expedited all of our 2020 updates to our WMS to make sure we're operating at that sort of the maximum efficiency so that we can deal with peaks that we're all experiencing at the moment. You know, our integrations here at Walker District are, are traditionally what we call CSV over FTP, which we think is a robust way of doing things and deals with the various different volume levels effectively. But we have actually just deployed API connectivity here to offer increased flexibility to our customers. So that's a change we've made, really. And also just increasing the budget we're putting towards technology across the site generally to purchase more things, RF guns, to keep up with the volumes, but also because staff are having to work in slightly different ways to ensure that they can do that. And they're supported by the technology that we're offering them, really. And, you know, something else that we run on site here is something called Kronos Labour Management. So we track all of our operatives who scan in and out of each activity they're carrying out. And yes, we look at productivity, but we also look at it from a management perspective to see if there's things we could improve at a management level. We've utilised that technology to put messages on those devices to keep staff updated with COVID-19 government guidelines and also internal company policy, and also to remind them of expectations, you know, not only from ourselves, but that's another um, sort of positive collaboration, really. And, you know, whilst we have limited what I call mechanization and technology on site because we're, a, you know, we've got over 50, 50 or 60 live customers, um, it, we can't have automation, you know, to suit all, to all of those products and different customer types. So we still do rely on technology heavily in certain sections, just to name a few for intuitive pick face replenishment and consolidation of retail, purchase orders, all, all those sort of things, really. So, you know, technology is incredibly important and it will continue to be so, really. But, you know, as we move forward, how's logistics going to look? There's a lot of uncertainty. The changes are happening very quickly. I don't think we can all be sure of what the long-term effects are at the moment, to be honest. But I think what's undeniable is the increased awareness of logistics and the supply chain. We see that as a positive thing and an opportunity. We work closely with local schools, colleges and graduates. We'd like to see more young people engaging in the industry, looking for employment. We're optimistic that that will be a positive thing to come out of COVID. And obviously, virtual communication is the new norm, you know, as we're all experiencing at the moment. But something we found is that We've just onboarded a large customer where we used 3D modeling to show this new customer the layout that we're going to be utilizing in our warehouse. So I think it just proves what can be done and you know, suggests that somebody looking for a third-party logistics company doesn't need it to be five minutes the road from their own headquarters when all of this technology is at their fingertips, really. So there's a lot of good stuff to come out of it. We'll have to see how it affects order levels and volumes. You know, we know everything's moving online. The high street is declining. You know, COVID has only emphasised that more. It'll be interesting to see if there are any other patterns in terms of shopping habits that come out, whether there'll be a split by age group or various different sectors. So it will be interesting to see what else happens as we move forward. As Charlie says, COVID-19 has catalyzed the shift to online, but also really highlighted the importance of logistics operators. Before we jump forward and I play you an extract of the speech from Maureen O'Shea, Operations Lead Partner for KPMG, I wanted to remind you that SHD Logistics has gone digital only for these lockdown months on shdlogistics.com. 
The June issue features an interview with Damien Alexander, Vice President and Managing Director of Lidos UK's Logistics Division, as well as a really interesting article on how to maintain a safe and hygienic warehouse environment. So please do view the magazine. Okay, Maureen O'Shea. Maureen brings 20 years experience in delivering results in local, regional and global FMCG and pharma supply chains. She started out at Procter & Gamble and joins us today as the operations lead partner for KPMG. After a short introduction to her background on the webinar, she told us about her four steps to strong resilience in the face of COVID-19. First one was the action when we went, oh God, Delta three hours, got laptops out, checked our basic capacity. The second phase is resilience. And those of us in supply chain tend to be quite resilient. As the other speakers have uh, talked through, there's been superb work done in order to absorb what has been a massive peak for our industry in the UK. And the key thing for me coming through this is not just how are we resilient in the face of COVID, but what has COVID taught us about the resilience of our supply chain? And I'm thinking particularly in terms of Brexit coming at Christmas time. So what vulnerabilities have COVID shown us? What challenges have we had to overcome to deliver how we have delivered in recent weeks and months? And what learning can we take out of this to come through it stronger and better? And the three areas that I keep advising people to go deep on around their resilience are the first one is getting clear on your new market demands. And obviously, anyone who says they know are wrong what exactly our future demand will look like. But now is the time to get clear on your scenarios. Stay close to your business partners and make sure you really understand what the potential outcomes are and how that's going to affect you and the supply chain. The second one is suppliers. It's really critical to go deep on the relationships with your key suppliers right now. Where you single sourcing, it is time to look beyond single sourcing. Where you have very tight just-in-time supply chains, again, you have learned some painful lessons probably over the last few weeks and months, and those are assumptions that also need to be reviewed. And the other one is, depending on the size of your company, if you are a, a reasonably large firm reliant on a number of smaller suppliers, you probably need to be having conversations that you don't normally have with them around things like working capital, around things like payment terms. And again, you may be the party going to a client asking them to change their payment terms, or you may be the larger company going to a smaller company asking if they need that support. I was talking with the global head of supply chain of one of the major oil companies. All oil companies are, of course, massively impacted at the moment because no one's traveling, no one's flying. Demand has gone through the floor and they share the same suppliers. So a lot of their suppliers are in existential risk of not restarting because they only supply the oil and gas industry. And they're having to make some really challenging decisions about which handful of suppliers are so critical to their future that they're going to co-invest with them and support them through it. And the third element of resilience after your demand on your supplier is checking your footprint. As you get clear on that new business reality, It's time to start thinking, what is that new footprint going to look like? What investments might you need? And get the triggers in place for those. When it's time to make a decision, you're ready to make the right decision. I would particularly advise anything on touching your footprint, make sure you're meeting your environmental, social and governance goals. We've all got a climate change plan and targets in a drawer somewhere. And implementing those tends to be challenging and often expensive. 
So if you're naturally due to the COVID shift in business going to touch your footprint, do so in a way that you're confident is future fit. So those are the three elements of resilience that um, I'd encourage you to look towards. Some great advice there from Maureen about how we should be examining market demands, but also the relationships with our suppliers, especially in the face of Brexit. The webinar was interactive and invited questions from our audience, which we addressed at the end with a Q&A session with all of our speakers. If you were watching and you asked a question, thank you very much. I had lots of good questions to choose from. My first question to the panel was, how should logistics operators be responding to COVID-19? What are your top tips? I put the question to Maureen first. Right now, the key top tip, I would say, is very much focusing on the people. The work that we do, it is critical to have the right people in the right place at the right time with the right energy and motivation. COVID is challenging. It's challenging to us, to our families. And if your people can see clearly their health and safety is a priority, that you're doing everything in your power to protect them, to have a secure workplace, to only do in person what must be done in person, I think you will reap absolute dividends in your staff retention and engagement going forward. So people first. So people first, staff retention. Thank you, Maureen. Charlie, the same question to you. What are your top tips for our audience? Yeah, absolutely. As I, as I kind of sort of discussed a little bit, you know, your people is something that's very important to us as well. You know, we want to make sure that our, our people and our staff are valued as well and, you know, make sure that we're doing everything possible to protect them, which, you know, we would like to think we are, we are doing. But, you know, also for our customers, you know, it's, it's all about communication, really. Just keep talking to us, you know, let us know of any challenges they're facing, inbound goods or any particular spikes or challenges in terms of getting goods out of the door. You know, if we can reconfigure things here to help them change layouts as they look to diversify their businesses and cope with the challenges, that's what we're here for, really, is to get goods out the door and support them as an extension of their business, really. Thanks, Charlie. I'm going to go to the questions from the audience. This question is from Adana Mogak. His question is, how do you see demand for logistics hubs changing? Will there be smaller, more local hubs to help cope with extra demand on final mile logistics. Shane, do you want to take that question? Yeah, I'm happy to. I think last mile's been where the system has fallen down, if you want to call it that way, in the last period. We've basically seen the demand to suddenly be exponential from where it was before. We haven't had the infrastructure in place to deal with the food chain. So it's, we saw a lot of people, we, we did a lot to try and build capacity up, but it was nowhere near the demand that we had. People feel like that's going to be a change in behaviour now, so we're going to see a, a, a certain percentage of that stay in online. So that does suggest the need for new infrastructure to be built and a new approach to be built, whether that's a specific dedicated hub for online fulfilment or better fulfilment for existing stores and the like, I don't think we know yet. Thank you, Shane. Charlie, are you considering reconfiguring your hubs? No, that's not something we're looking at at the moment. As I alluded to in the section about ourselves, we're looking at an expansion of the business here at our HQ at Membry. So we're looking at an additional 110,000 square feet here, which is a blank canvas in terms of how we configure that. So that's exciting for us. But we look to redeploy those two units as rework centres. So I guess that's an adaptation and a change, if you like. You know, we're always happy to talk to customers and reconfigure layouts of their stock and products. Um, you know, and obviously that's something we look at all the time from an efficiency point of view. You know, as an aside, we are looking at Europe as a business as well. 
how we can expand into Europe, what we do in terms of facilities in Europe. That was in our plan pre-Brexit, but obviously Brexit's had an impact on that thinking. And certainly that's something that we're going to continue to pursue, both from a, a Brexit perspective and also as we look to cut down on lead times into mainland Europe. And Maureen, I'd like you to address that question as well. So I think the, the challenge for us all right now is there's a lot of fluidity in the system and we probably need to be highly flexible in how we're, we and our clients are behaving. So we all know as consumers that members of our family who've never shopped online have now suddenly embraced this new technology. So a lot of the shifts we're seeing, I think, will stay. So the current levels of last mile delivery, I would expect to be um, close enough to the, the um, levels we'll see going forward. Does that necessarily mean smaller local hubs? Mm, not necessarily. I think a lot of people will be looking more at how they're doing some clustering. In particular, as the environmental focus increases, everyone is increasingly conscious of the amount of packaging we use, but also of the mileage. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm seeing my delivery men multiple times a day rather than single big drop-offs. So I think we will see consolidation. I think we'll see environmental footprint being key criteria in that design. So what we have today has evolved um, urgently and under pressure. And we need to probably do some really solid organizational design and target operating model design about meeting the current outcomes, but in probably a more efficient um, and environmentally appropriate way. Okay, thank you. Simon, I've got a few questions here about the technology. This one's from John Lewis. Simon, what is the average time to implement one of your robot solutions? So normally once we've gone through the design phase and we've got the final contract effectively signed, normally from that point to handover of the system, we're looking no more than 12 weeks. It's a quick implementation. Obviously, if the solution is more complex and involving multiple robotic solutions, that could go up a little bit. But typically 10 to 12 weeks is from the date of signing to handover is the implementation time. I have a question from Jane Green from CS Supply Chains. As this is a time of increased uncertainty, how can companies start to consider investment in AI or other automation in order to benefit from potential efficiencies? Maureen, can you take that question? So I think the calculations of the ROI are going to look different because rather than the headcount numbers that we used um, three, four months ago, we'll now need to factor in the impact of social distancing and the um, incremental costs and inefficiencies that will drive within supply chain. So for those investment decisions that were borderline three months ago, I would be pulling out the investment case and rerunning your math, taking into account social distancing. So there will certainly be some technologies there that that break-even point is, is pulled forward by the current circumstances. The other thing is what we need to avoid is, is knee-jerk reactions. So it's not just a case of surviving through COVID. It's taking the learning from COVID to build the right system going forward. It's not that everything must jump into AI and everything must move away from base, but just use the learnings from this to accelerate the direction of travel in which you wish to go. The deep breaths. No knee-jerk reaction. Okay. This has been a tremendous learning experience. We've learned a huge amount about the strengths and the vulnerabilities in our supply chain. And we've a newfound mm -hmm. realization that um, big disruptions can happen no matter what you do. And Brexit is highly likely to be a big disruption. So take these learnings and be stronger going forward. Is there a risk at the moment that people are forgetting about Brexit and the sort of impending deadlines? Yes, there's a risk that people think COVID is everything and is taking all of the air and all of the oxygen. And 
even on our family Zooms, I guess we're all talking more about COVID than everything else. But it is one element and it is, if anything, a compounding risk for all of the other things. Particularly, it is a compounding risk for breakfast because there's less time and energy to do the other preparations. That's why I keep banging the drum on this is an object lesson in resilience. What have we learned from COVID? What are our vulnerabilities that COVID has shown us? And how do we systemically make the right choices, decisions, investments to come through this stronger and more resilient? Hopefully you are able to take some of the great advice that's been shared today and apply it to your own operation. That's the whole point of this. The full webinar, complete with an additional speaker, is available on demand. Just visit our homepage, shglogistics.com. You'll find it there. I really hope you enjoy it. I know it's been a while since we've done a podcast. Thank you for your patience. So the next podcast from SHD Logistics will feature Professor Richard Wilding. Richard is Professor of Supply Chain Strategy at Cranfield School of Management. And Richard will be offering insight on technology, including artificial intelligence, blockchain and robotics. So please do tune in for that because it's great. If you have any questions or comments or feel like you're an operator that should be featured on our podcast, then please do email me. My email is kirsty.adams at informa.com. We hope you found the podcast useful. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Stay safe.